We don't really make progesterone in the first part of our menstrual cycle. So, you know, you will hear women say, oh, I had my estrogen and and progesterone levels tested and I'm estrogen dominant. Well, it really depends on when the timing of that testing is. So it can be very inaccurate. You are estrogen dominant in the first half of your menstrual cycle, which is very healthy, very normal. Welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast by Fit Mama and 30. I'm Bailey. And I'm Carrie. And the Messy Mom Podcast is all about ditching the idea of perfection during motherhood and embracing the messy, ranging from topics about pre and postnatal health and wellness, infertility, mom guilt, and of course, the craziness that comes with raising a family. So if you would like to live on this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review as this helps other mamas learn to embrace the messy with us. So get ready for 30 minutes of real, raw, and messy content. Let's get started. Hey, hey, mamas. Welcome to another episode of the Messy Mom Podcast. Hello. Bailey and I got to sit down with a pretty awesome guest. We think you're going to love it. We got the pleasure of sitting down with Brooks Vaughn. She's a woman's health nurse practitioner. She has a company. We're going to talk through it on Instagram. Bailey and I have just been like following her and in contact on Instagram for a long time. We honestly have been trying to get this podcast scheduled for a year between mom life, her schedule, our schedule. It's just, yeah, it's just life. (laughs) It's been life. But she also has, so she has her own company called the Women's Health Company. We're going to give you her resources. She's amazing. But today, what we thought we what we really wanted to talk about is, you know, getting up close and personal with your period. You know, well, not. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bailey and I love to bring topics that no one else wants to talk about. I know, right? We're pretty, you, pretty out there. <laughs> we're good. We're good at doing that. Not so. really, because mostly moms listen to this, and if you're a mom, you've had your period. If you're a woman, you've had your period. So, hello, let's talk about it. You, you need to know about it. <laughs> And like we talked about, like none of us know about it in depth. You just think it's this like thing that comes once a month because that's what we were taught. And like you'll hear us talk about in the podcast, I didn't know that the period even had phases until I was starting to have fertility troubles with right. crew. So it's bizarre. So that's what was really cool is she got she just talked through what what is a period cycle? What's it composed of? Like you name it, she got into it, which is I think. Not only great information for us and women listening to this podcast, but as you'll hear me say, I think it's going to be great for the next generation and our daughters growing up of how we can educate them just more on be more in tune with their body. So she did a great job full of resources. It was just such an awesome episode. And she has the cutest little Southern accent. So (laughs) yeah, she really does that. I was like, I could listen to you on a podcast literally all the time. I know. I kept thinking, is there any other questions we can ask her? I like this soothing. It's a soothing, soothing Southern. Very. Yeah. All right, mamas. Well, listen in. We hope you learn as much as we did. Hey, Brooks. Welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We are so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to be here. And Bailey and I, we, I know we were talking before we started recording about we've been trying to coordinate our schedules for quite some time. But I swear, I think it's been about a year that we 
first like reached out to Brooks and was like, Hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast. And then life happens. I know. I know. It's crazy how, especially in medicine, it's like your schedule kind of, I mean, it's hard to change things, you know, but we're here now. So yeah. I'm excited. That's right. Mom life. We're pulling it together yeah. though. <laughs> well, before we dive into today's topic, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, anything you want to share. So school, family, hobbies, you name it, share it. Awesome. Okay. Well, my name is Brooks Vaughn. I grew up in South Georgia. I'm actually at my parents' house now. <laughs> We're here for a couple of days, spending some time um, in the country. And I went to university of the University of Georgia for my undergrad degree and then moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and went to Vanderbilt. That's where I got my NP degree as a women's health nurse practitioner. After that, my husband and I moved to Charlotte. We were there for about six, almost seven years. And then we moved back to Athens. We always kind of have called Athens home since college and always wanted to be back there to raise a family. So we moved back to Athens and I started working at a, a small, amazing private practice there and have recently opened or will be opening in July my own hormone health clinic right outside oh, of Athens. That's nice. Yeah. That's very I'm soon. So ex- I know, so soon. And so, gosh, a little bit more about me. I have a husband named Skylar. We have a one-and-a-half-year-old named Walker Ann and a four-year-old golden retriever named Riggins who still thinks he's a puppy. <laughs> and I love to – I love exercise. So I love what y'all do because I feel like I have learned so much, especially – since being a mom, about the proper way to exercise, especially for my pelvic floor. (laughs) And I love to cook. One of my favorite hobbies is actually, I grew up obviously in the South. And so, you know, we have a lot of comfort dishes that have a ton of butter and condensed, you know. Everything. (laughs) Heavy cream. So one of my favorite hobbies is trying to recreate some of my like favorite childhood recipes in a healthier way. So I just did yesterday, actually, one of my favorite recipes from growing up is something called a peach pizza. And the the crust is like butter, flour, sugar. The middle is cream cheese, powdered sugar, cool whip. And then the wow. top is, you know, a sugary peach. Peach. Yum. And so... I recreated a healthier version without all of the things. And it was, I was shocked that my was, family it was good. It and they loved it. Oh, so it good. It's good. But no, it never can be that. It's never the real deal, but it's close enough. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's a little bit, a little bit about me. I love that. And of course you're from Georgia and you're talking about peaches. I feel like it all just like goes so well together. <laughs> When right before we got started, we were asking, you know, where she was from. And obviously we knew it was from the South from her cute little accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I could just listen to you talk all day long. And your names, your very Southern names, which I love. Yes. I love all Southern names. Thank you know, it's you funny on our last podcast, it was like learning a little bit more about me because we did one about Carrie and my mom was actually thinking about naming me Skylar. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I love it. Girl. Yeah, but my maiden name was Try. So, like, my mom didn't want people calling me Sky Try. She's like, that just doesn't go well. 
<laughs> but yeah. I was like, I don't really hear of too many people named Skylar. So that's funny that you're married yeah, well, to one. It's, it's <laughs> funny because my name is sort of a a unisex name. And so a lot of times people think that I am the husband and he oh, yeah. Wife. Yeah. He gets a little frustrated with that. Yeah. But. My friend has a son named Brooks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I love it as a girl name. Thank I you. Too. I think it's really unique. I like that. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for coming on and kind of changing subjects here a little bit. Since you are a woman's health nurse practitioner, you know, something that we wanted to chat about today and something that we think is really important to chat about is getting up close and personal with your period, right? Most women, we all women have one at some point in their lives, but I'm just shocked, especially as we've gotten into this space about how much women don't know about their period. You know, something that happens to them every month, you know, obviously when it starts is different for each person, but it's just always been pretty shocking to me. And to be honest, I didn't know about it until I started having fertility issues. So I just find it so interesting. So again, thanks for coming on and, and talking about this. So one of the questions that we wanted to ask you, wanted to discuss was most women, like we mentioned, don't know that their menstrual cycle has different phases. So we thought a good starting point would be, can you just discuss these phases and then kind of what occurs during each one? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting too, with our menstrual cycle, I, I tell patients all of the time, it's, it, it is a fifth vital sign because it is such an indicator of what is going on health wise inside. And, you know, obviously there are reasons why we may not be having a period if you're on like normal reasons why, if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, postmenopausal or on hormonal birth control, those are reasons why you may not have a period that are pretty typical, pretty normal. But otherwise, we should be having a regular monthly cycle. And it does, it can tell us a lot about what's going on inside, whether that's we have a nutrient deficiency or thyroid disorder. It's so interconnected. So yeah, the period, the menstrual cycle is pretty much a very intricate dance between our brain and our ovaries and our uterus. And it does have two, our cycle has two phases. The first phase is called the follicular phase. And the follicular phase starts with cycle day one. And cycle day one, this is just a little tidbit, is really the first full day of bleeding. And it doesn't mean heavy bleeding, but it's the first full day of needing like at least a light pad or tampon. So I always tell patients, if you start, you know, you're, if you start spotting on a Thursday night, but you require a pad or a tampon the next day, that's considered cycle day one the next day. And so, and then the follicular phase ends with ovulation. So it starts with first day of bleeding and it ends with ovulation. And what I'll kind of do is walk you through hormonal changes and then some physical and emotional changes and symptoms that can happen. But with the follicular phase, cycle day one, our hormones are are low. Estrogen, progesterone, luteinizing hormone, and follicle-stimulating hormone are hormones from the brain to stimulate the ovaries. And everything is low. You can kind of symptom-wise we feel that, you know, we can feel the fatigue and things that come with hormones being low. Estrogen is the dominant hormone of the follicular phase. 
So slowly, estrogen begins to rise during the follicular phase and follicle-stimulating hormone from our brain, it does exactly what it says it's doing. It stimulates a follicle, which a follicle is basically an immature egg on the ovary. So it stimulates an egg to mature, and we call that an uh, an ovarian follicle. And then right before, right when that little follicle is mature, our brain sends a surge of something called luteinizing hormone that stimulates that follicle to release, and that's ovulation. And so a lot of people, just another side note is we don't really make progesterone in the first part of our menstrual cycle. So, you know, you will hear women say, oh, I had my estrogen and and progesterone levels tested and I'm estrogen dominant. Well, it really depends on when the timing of that testing is. So it can be very inaccurate. You are estrogen dominant in the first half of your menstrual cycle, which is very healthy, very normal. Early in the follicular phase, the symptoms can be low energy, some cramps, some mood fluctuations, and obviously bleeding. And then mid to late follicular phase, as that, as estrogen is rising and our brain is creating and sending out more follicle stimulating hormone, we can get a little bit of bloating and that's caused by water retention because of estrogen rising. And then we do, this is interesting from an exercise standpoint, but increased energy, increased athletic ability. So as the period is, or as the um, estrogen levels are rising, a lot of women find that they feel their best and their most energized to exercise, a happier mood and increased libido or sex drive can occur kind of late follicular phase. The other thing I wanted to mention is cervical mucus changes. So cervical secretions change throughout our cycle. And early in the follicular phase, the first three to five days after the period ends, our cervical secretions, our our vaginal discharge is pretty dry. And then as hormones rise, as estrogen rises, mid-follicular phase we start to get white, cloudy, kind of sticky discharge. And then late follicular phase near ovulation is when it turns to clear, stretchy, watery, and egg white-like. And that's usually a, an indicator that ovulation is coming. Then the luteal phase begins when we have that LH surge, we, have, we ovulate, and it ends on cycle day one of the next period. And what's interesting with the luteal phase is we call it the luteal phase because we, once that ovary releases the egg, where that follicle opened, it closes back and it forms something called a corpus luteum. And that is just foreign for yellow body. It looks, if we looked at it on a, basically a 3D ultrasound even or imaging, it looks like a yellow body on the ovary. And that corpus luteum produces progesterone. And so in the luteal phase, we will start to notice that progesterone is rising. So a lot of women actually will, or a lot of doctors, if they're testing fertility, trying to confirm ovulation, they will check typically a progesterone level about seven-ish days after we suspect that a woman ovulated to confirm ovulation. So estrogen kind of 
dips and then rises continually. Progesterone is the dominant hormone of the luteal phase. And so as progesterone rises, progesterone is our melancholy hormone. And I always say, you know, natural progesterone that the ovaries make or that is bioidentical from, you know, an oral source or a, a, a medication source that is identical to what the ovaries make is really a natural anti-anxiety medication in a sense. Progesterone can also help us sleep. A lot of women notice that they get better sleep right after ovulation um, or deeper sleep after ovulation. Sometimes progesterone, especially right before our period starts, when it is high, women can start to notice more fatigue, some bloating as well. Sometimes rising progesterone can slow our gut motility. So a little bit of constipation can occur right before the period. But what's happening in our brain is as the progesterone levels are rising and as estrogen is kind of stabilizing, the brain, if it if we conceive, if an egg fertilizes or if a sperm fertilizes an egg, then progesterone continues to rise. If it doesn't, then the brain recognizes, hey, conception hasn't happened. Typically, a normal luteal phase is around 14 days. So typically around 14 days after we've ovulated, if we haven't conceived, gotten pregnant, those hormones drop. The brain sends a signal back to the ovaries and the uterus and says, okay, time to do it all over again. And so all of those hormones drop. That's when the period starts to occur. PMS symptoms can come prior to the period. But the luteal phase is a really important phase for fertility. I know we've, I know you talked about fertility briefly, Bailey, but progesterone is pro, so progesterone means progestation. So progesterone is the hormone of pregnancy. And so we want progesterone to be increasing. It does. Some studies have shown that it kind of produces in a pulsatile manner. But still, I find that progesterone, you know, should be above three to confirm ovulation. And then ideally, a lot of fertility specialists like for it to be 10 or higher. So yeah, that's kind of the, in a quick nutshell, the menstrual cycle. Which is amazing. I think I learned more in your, you know, last six minutes than I've learned in my entire life. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing how... It, we were created, you know, it's so cool. I know. It's amazing. And that's, this is what, you know, this Bailey and I talk about this all the time, which is why we want to ask you, you know, so again, I learned more in six minutes at the age of 39 that I have my entire life as a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that is? Why is this not taught? Like, you know, we talk about this, like you either spend your time trying not to get pregnant. And then when you want to get pregnant, you have no clue yes. even where to start because no one's yeah. talked about it. Seriously, like when I was in school, it was like you learn that you're going to have a period, period and then you're already talking about like sex. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's like, oh, every month you'll have a period and then, you, and then you're talking about sex. Yeah. Here's tampons. Here's this. And guess what? That If you have sex, this could lead to pregnancy. Yeah. Are we all good? Everyone good here? It's like, no. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about this earlier. I don't know why this isn't just curriculum in health classes. I don't know. Yeah. It because it is scientific, it is important for women to understand and for girls to understand as they're growing what's going on in their body. Because you think about adolescence, I mean, puberty is a very 
traumatizing time at some, for yeah. some patients, you know, for some women, but it's just a big change in our bodies. And so having an understanding of what's going on really can normalize things. And also what I tell a lot of my, being in a college town, I do a lot of talks at different things for college students. And what I tell a lot of them is knowing what is normal helps you. It normalizes what's normal, but it also helps you realize and recognize when something is off so that you can be proactive, you know, to get to the bottom of it. I will say I do feel like in the coming years, because I just see, and this is probably also being in a college town, I see so many young teenage, late teenage, early 20-somethings prior to even ever considering their fertility, just coming in wanting to learn about their body and wanting to, they're doing a lot of the work themselves. And so I really hope and pray that one day this is going to be curriculum in, you know, general health classes, because then once you go to college, unless you're majoring in, you know, some kind of health major, you're not getting this. You'll never talk about it again. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously. Like I said, like I, if I didn't have fertility issues with crew, then I would have never known about that. We even had faces yeah, <laughs> or yeah. like how the hormones reacted or like when I was in my fertile phase and when I went, when I wasn't in my fertile phase, you know, it's like, yeah. I feel like every woman at a young age should really be learning this. And yeah. it's just, again, kind of one of those things that blows my mind that we don't know yeah. about our bodies and what's happening. Yeah. And I think, I don't know about you ladies, but like, that's what, there's certain things you realize like as a mom and in the field we're in, mm-hmm. there's things I'm going to be com- do completely different with my children and how we like, even the way we talk about food, I've done this from a young age, like with, but with Kate and with Carter and my son, but it's talk about like, you can have that food. Let's talk about what that food does for you. Is it going to help you or is it going to do nothing for you? And then they get to decide, like educating them on, you can have, you know, Twinkies. You can also have this. Let's talk about the difference of them. And it's kind of like what I think I want to do with Kate is we can talk about periods. No, it's going to be, this is going to happen to you. And here's a tampon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's normal. Like it's going to be, I mean, even what you were saying, how helpful would it have been if I would have known like the symptoms you're going to experience? Like for me, for at least for me, like if I know, like if it's a hard workout and I know my legs are going to hurt because of lactic acid buildup or whatever, I can tolerate the pain a little bit more because it's like, I know what my muscle's doing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Like, if I know my period's coming and I know these symptoms are happening, if I know why, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. It just, for something in my brain is kind of like, okay, this is what my body is doing and this is how it's reacting. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like so cool to me why we don't talk about our body in this way. I know. And I think too, I don't know if you guys listen to, they're out of Nashville, the birds and the bees. No. They're, oh my goodness. They are amazing. And they just talk a lot. They educate and train parents on how to have hard body conversations with your kids. And like the whole premise is you want to be the ones, I want to be the one educating my daughter, you know, like I want her to get her information. Obviously there are good resources out there, but I want to be the one that she feels comfortable coming to and sharing what's going on. And I want to be the one educating her before the rest of the world educates her, you know? Amen. Amen. (laughs) So anyway, they're, they're great. But I do. I feel like there are on the horizon some things that will, you know, help parents, especially educate and equip their kids moving forward and kind of take the stigma away. Because I remember when I started my period, it's like a private thing and you just don't want anybody to know. And, you know, it's very 
comforting and helpful when you have an idea of what's going on and you know what's normal and what's not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I do feel like this is one of those things that social media is bringing more to light, you know, with like professionals like yourself getting on and talking about it. Obviously, there's you're going to have those people that aren't qualified to talk about it and still do, which is unfortunate. But that's why we, you know, Carrie and I always say, you know, make sure that you're getting your information from a professional source and all the things. But that we didn't have that growing up, you know, it was we just learned exactly what our teachers told us. And I think it was my teacher, like my health teacher that was talking us, talking to us about this, which is funny. Like it would be great to have like a woman's health nurse practitioner come in and talk about it. So I do think that is one area that social media is doing good if you're getting your information from the right source. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I've learned so much through social media about things that are outside of like pediatrics, you know, mm-hmm. I've learned from, you know, I mean, some things I have to, you have to take with a grain of salt, but I really finding reliable sources. I've really learned a lot as a new mom from people on social media. Oh, same. A hundred percent. Are you currently pregnant, postpartum, or beyond? Lucky for you, Fit Mom on 30 has an exercise and nutrition program for every stage of motherhood. And the best part, the workouts are 30 minutes or less. We know there are about a million online fitness options at your fingertips, but our science-backed and doctor-approved fitness and nutrition programs are designed to support you wherever you're at. From safe and effective pre- and postnatal workouts to our 30-minute strength and cardio conditioning classes, there's truly something for everyone. Did we also mention that we have seasonal recipe guides to nourish not only you, but your entire family? Because let's face it, ain't no one going to be making multiple meals in my house. We know finding the time to exercise and eat well can be challenging once you become a mom. And that's exactly why we started Fit Mom in 30. We want you to find your groove again with fitness and nutrition, which is why you can try any of our Fit Mom in 30 programs completely free for seven days. And if you decide you want to stick with us after the seven days, you can get $10 off your membership. All you have to do is enter the code podcast at checkout. So we talked a lot about what different phases are in the, in your menstrual cycle, your cycle, and just your period as a whole and hormones. So obviously a big part of fertility is your menstrual cycle. So what advice would you give to women trying to conceive just kind of based on her cycle? Like say they were brand new to wanting to get pregnant. And then kind of on the flip side of that, also someone who is not trying to conceive, but maybe doesn't want to be on birth control or or medication. Yeah, absolutely. I love the season of trying to conceive can be very stressful, but, and it can be very hard. But I think if you just have some tools in your toolbox to know what's going on and to know when it's really, you know, when it's time to actually go and see your provider and and whatnot. I will say that when you are trying to conceive, a few things that I just recommend to all of my patients is start tracking your cycles. I love there are apps out there that are great. The Flow app is free and easy to track cycle, you know, you put in cycle day one each month and you can enter symptoms, but it's really important to kind of start to see how regular and consistent your cycles are because consistency is really key for fertility. I always say, I want your periods to be consistently consistent. 
So if they are 28 days apart from cycle day one to cycle day one, and then the next cycle is 40 days apart, and then the next cycle is, you know, 26 days apart, and then the next cycle is 35 days apart, that I consider that irregular. Even though you're having a period, it's not consistently consistent. And so by consistently consistent, I love for periods to be within three to five days in length apart each month. So 28 days, and then the next cycle could be 31 days, and then the next could be 29, and then the next could be 33. That's pretty typical. So those kind of things we can gives us give us a little bit of some you know data to look at. Also tracking ovulation symptoms. So just kind of looking out for, am I noticing that cervical discharge changing? Am I noticing an egg white-like discharge or any cramping on one side? That's usually a common sign of ovulation. A lot of women like to test their basal body temperature. That is not great for telling you when you're going to ovulate. It tells you after the fact, but you do see, we do see a rise in basal body temperature after you've ovulated. So I always say, you know, it's never a bad idea just to try that a few months just to see is my temperature rising after I'm ovulating. That's a good sign that progesterone is increasing like it should be. There are ovulation predictor kits as well that are kind of like pregnancy tests where usually starting, I usually say even starting around cycle day seven or eight, just in the afternoons. A lot of people think doing it in the morning is best, but it's actually better to test after lunch in the afternoons for an ovulation predictor kit because it gives the LH time to reach your urine. That would have been nice to know. Yeah, I don't think I ever did mine. Yeah, and that smiley face had a really love hate relationship. That's all I have to say. I know, and it gets so confusing. It can be so confusing in general, but those are things. Those are data points that can help. But the primary thing that my my recommendation, you know, prior to and while you're trying to get pregnant, is to it's kind of like baking a cake. You want the right ingredients, so. We want the canvas of our body to be as healthy as we possibly can. And so the main things other than the data points are optimizing our nutrition. So just really focusing. And I love to sit down with patients and look at their diet to see, okay, what do we need to incorporate more of? A lot of times for women, it's protein. A lot of women just are not getting enough protein. (laughs) And fiber is another one that's important. So looking at our our diet and optimizing nutrition, fitness, exercise, I, you know, it's so funny how things have changed since even my mom was pregnant with me. She was like, oh my gosh, when I was pregnant with you, everybody was like, don't move, don't, don't, don't do anything to jolt the baby inside of you. She was like, we just basically sat and ate and, you know, enjoyed life, but. And more moo-moos. You know, the shirts that like. You know what I'm, everyone knows what I'm talking about. I see pictures of my mom. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so unflattering. Isn't it hilarious? She's like, that's just how it was back in. Like we didn't, you never wanted to show your bump. It was like disrespectful to like show your bump. I'm like, what? It's crazy. (laughs) It's so funny. But now we know the benefits of exercise and the best, the best protocol, the best bet is to actually start 
exercising before you get pregnant so that you can just maintain that regimen throughout pregnancy. And you obviously have to modify to protect your pelvic floor muscles, but starting and being consistent with an exercise regimen is the benefits are astronomical, not only to your blood sugar regulation, to baby's development, stamina during labor, pregnant labor outcomes are so much better with in women who are physically fit. So preach Brooks. I, <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of exercise. And then the other two things are supplementation. I say, you know, a lot of women can get what they need in their diet, but a prenatal vitamin is a good, it's just good insurance. It fills in the gaps in the typical American diet, especially when it comes to folate, you know, and even sometimes iron. So I I always tell patients, if you were sexually active, I would just take a prenatal vitamin uh, instead of a multivitamin, but especially three months prior to starting to try to get pregnant. And then blood work. Blood work is just a great way to kind of, I always say it's like popping the hood on a car and looking at what's going on underneath. Thyroid is very important. And so we want to look at especially thyroid levels prior to and during pregnancy because normal for the lab and normal for the rest of the world is not normal for pregnancy or for, for fertility. I always tell patients the normal lab values are 0.45 to 4.5, but in pregnancy, we want it to be under three, but ideally under 2.5, which is a big difference than what the world considers normal. Yeah. So looking at blood work, just to kind of get an idea of, are, are you deficient in anything? Is your thyroid stable? What does your blood sugar look like prior to pregnancy? You can also test to see if you're immune to you know, things like rubella, varicella, those sorts of things that we don't want to get when we're pregnant. And then there are preconception carrier tests that women can have done to see if you are a carrier for what we call an autosomal recessive trait, like cystic fibrosis. I don't know if y'all have heard of that, but if you were a carrier, then your partner would have to be a carrier of the same trait for your children to have a one in four or a 25% chance of being physically affected by these recessive traits. So those are just things that, you know, can be addressed in a preconception consult with your doctor. But, you know, and then for women, the second part of your question is for women who just don't want to be on birth control, but aren't trying to get pregnant, but may either want to optimize their period, you know, optimize their hormone health or prevent pregnancy by tracking their cycles. You know, same kind of things. I just recommend tracking your cycle just to see what it's doing, monitoring your symptoms. You know, if you have debilitating symptoms like debilitating PMS, if you're having to pop ibuprofen every single day, multiple times a day when you're on your period or you're bleeding heavily, you're, you know, we consider heavy bleeding whatever the patient tells us is heavy. Used to that was quantified as you know, more than a pad an hour. That was, you know, what we considered heavy. But now we just base it on what the patient says and perceives as heavy. But if you're having those things, notify your doctor and kind of see if you can get to the bottom of them. There are great ways. Natural family planning is actually 
can be very effective birth control if done well and if your cycles are regular. You can't really do it if your periods are, like we talked about, inconsistently consistent, if they're kind of all over the place. It's very hard to know what's, you know, when you're fertile and when you're not. But if you are having regular, consistent cycles, you can only, you are only fertile for about a six day period each month. And the reason that is, is sperm can live for up to six days in the female reproductive tract. An egg only lives for 24 to 48 hours once it's released, but you can have sex six days prior to ovulation and not have sex at all between that six day and ovulation. And you can still get pregnant, even though you didn't have sex on the day of ovulation. So, you know, there are some great ways to track that. There's a natural family planning app. There's one called Daisy. There are several that can be really good at helping you track your cycles and helping you kind of pinpoint when that fertile window is, you know, and then really I love hormones. And so that's what I really focus on. So one of my key things that I work with, with patients is really sitting down and assessing what are your periods look like? What are your symptoms? You know, a lot of people don't realize how related their symptoms are to their hormones. You know, whether that be I hear people say all the time, is it just being a mom? Am I just tired all the time? And sometimes that really can have a lot to do with hormone health. And so, you know, just kind of monitoring symptoms, monitoring what's going on, and then diving deeper if you feel like something's off. I love your approach. Like even like the things you said, like what you said is like heavy bleeding isn't just heavy bleeding. It's what is the pa- is pa- what is heavy to you? Like yeah. everything to me feels like you're like actually looking at each patient like we're all a little bit different, like, yeah. which is a great segue because I really want our listeners to hear. Tell us a little bit about the Women's Health Company, like what you do, what you're getting ready to open. Just give us a little bit about what you what you do with the Women's Health Company because we Bailey and I think it's amazing, which is why we've been trying to figure out timing for podcasts for a year. <laughs> we, just, we just love the way you approach things. We would love to take this moment and let's hear it. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So it is just, it's it kind of birthed as my, you know, just outlet and my little hobby a few years ago prior to and during COVID to just educate. My goal was to educate and equip and encourage women to live healthy, whole, and holy lives. So we kind of, on Instagram, I just kind of talk about a mixture of hormone health. And, you know, that really, hormone health just encompasses so many things. (laughs) It encompasses nutrition and our physical health and our sleep. And so anyway, we talk a lot about that and then a lot about being mom and about faith and, but the, the women's health company clinic is what we're opening. And that really came from my struggles as a healthcare provider, honestly, and not being able to provide the type of care that I really wanted to for my patients. I used to be in a really big practice. Um, I call it corporate healthcare, which is Nothing is wrong. We need corporate health care. Y'all know this. Like it's important. It saves lives. We we need corporate health care, but there's also a place for individualized health care where you're able to really sit down with patients and really listen and have the time. You know, if you only have 10 minutes, which is what I used to have with patients, you don't have time to do anything really. But so it was kind of birthed out of that desire to really sit down with patients 
and get to the root cause of what's going on with, you know, whatever it looks like hormonally. And hormones, I always say, you know, it's anything from adolescents with hormonal acne and crazy periods all the way to college students who aren't having a period because of maybe stress or an eating disorder or something else that's going on to women who are trying to get pregnant, whether that be preconception care or some fertility concerns to postpartum moms who are dealing with all the things that we deal with postpartum to perimenopause, which can begin in your mid-30s or earlier and up to women who are postmenopausal. So yeah, I'm going to be seeing patients in person and virtually. I'll be, I am in Georgia, so I can diagnose, prescribe, treat all of the order blood work for patients in Georgia. Patients outside of Georgia would be, I'm able to see on a coaching basis. So I can't diagnose and prescribe and order blood work, but can still really sit down and kind of listen and hear what's going on and help them create a plan of care that may be their, you know, a sustainable one to balancing their hormones. That's amazing. That is. That's awesome. And lucky for you, for some reason or another, we have a very large listening from Georgia. We do. <laughs> yeah. We do. Okay. It's like Indiana, Ohio, and Georgia. 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 I love it. The ladies love in it. Georgia like us. So I know. Listen, I love y'all. When oh. I, especially when I was pregnant. I think I sent I have sent so many of your videos and your website to so many friends because I'm like, y'all need to. We need to listen to this together <laughs> and vice versa. And you've always been so great and like shared us and talked about us. And we love sharing your stuff too, because it like everything in this podcast, we need to know about it. Women need to know about it. You know, I hope that they start teaching all of this at a much younger age. And maybe, I mean, I, Carrie has a young daughter in school. I have an eight year old. She's a um, little, pro- I don't know. Are they talking about this kind of stuff? Not yet no, or... She, but uh, this is what's crazy is like, I feel like the, she hasn't started showing like any signs of going through changes, but I mean, some of her friends at the age of eight have like buds, like, and I'm like little stuff like where, and they have like body odor. So like she's hearing it through her friends, which is what, to your point, Brooks, I want to be the source of education for my children at all levels. So this is like, this is a this is the time where it is. I'm glad you gave me that resource because it is the time where I want to start dri- like dripping it in things that even if they're, she's not feeling, if I'm hearing, like if we're around her friends and I hear about it, I'm like, note to self, that's what we're talking about when we get home. Yes, absolutely. Isn't it crazy how nuts. the age just gets younger and younger and younger and younger for yeah. That could be a yeah. whole other podcast. I, I, I was just going to say that. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, Carrie has a six year old son, and didn't he? He was like determined to find out how babies came out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And I, I told, I told him and I, I, this, the other, my other rule in my house is I don't lie to my kids. Yeah. So we're very like, but I told him like he wanted to know last year when he was five, I would, I finally, I just said, Hey buddy, like, can I tell you when you're older? I don't want to lie to you, but I don't think you're ready for it. Well, he decided, he decided this year, he, I was like, do you, and he's like, I really want to know. I was like, if you want to know, I'm going to tell you. I said, but just get ready. You can't unknow what I'm about to tell you. I <laughs> love that. An entire year. He's like, okay, I think I'm ready to know. Okay. When is this going to happen? He cracks me up. Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh, Brooks. Well, this has been amazing. Again, thanks so much for coming on. I think we all, myself included, and I know Carrie have learned just oh, yeah. a ton and I'll probably be re-listening to this when it comes out. 
But one question that we always ask our guests, especially who have children, is what is a messy mom moment or moment that you can think of? And if you can't think of one, just what advice do you have to help mamas kind of just embrace the messy in this thing called life? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Gosh, I feel like I have a messy moment every single day when we eat. (laughs) Every meal is a messy moment. Yeah. I feel you. I was, this is just to tie it back into women's health. My little girl, she's a year and a half. And so she, we call it the toddler death grip. Like she will have, she just loves to hold on to things. Like she'll just grab things from around the house and just hold on to. And so I kind of have to pick my battles on what I like, you know, you can't, if you take it, it's a big deal. She doesn't like that. And so we've kind of, we're learning, we're, we're kind of getting into the parenting mode of, you know, how do we share? How do, but I've learned I don't just snatch things out of her hand. And we were in a hurry. I was in a hurry. This was a couple of weeks ago to go to town to meet a friend. We were going to do several things in, in Athens. And she had gotten into my bathroom underneath the drawer or underneath the sink while I was getting ready and just got went through my tampon box and just tampons. She was just walking around the house with tampons. <laughs> She's like, what are I, these? You share with me, and she was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. "So I was like, okay, you know what? Well, whatever. We're running late. I don't have time. I'm picking my battles here. We get to where we were going to meet my friend. We were going to this cute little restaurant. I could, I, I mean, I was like, if I take these out of her hand, I feel like I'm being bossed around by a toddler at my house sometimes. <laughs> like if I take these out of my out of her hand right now, we're gonna have a whole scene. So we, put, I put her in the stroller. We walk into the restaurant, and she's just holding." <laughs> The whole time, and everybody that saw, I was like, you know what? Just pick your battles. Pick your battles because everybody that we saw got such a kick out of her holding. (laughs) They probably went home and told their family. It's a laugh for them too. (laughs) She was happy. That is moments where I feel like being a mom. I'm. I have been humbled many times, but yes, I feel you. Where we operate really well on, you know, I, I do like organization. I love. I love some structure in our day, but I think some of the sweetest moments that I have with her are the ones that are unstructured, unplanned, messy. You can always clean those things up, you know? Agreed. Those are some of the best. That was cute. I like that story. That's good. Because <laughs> I can picture that. I can see my I son doing something like that. Exactly. <laughs> my friend was like, she's just advertised. This is just free advertisement yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, here's my card. <laughs> Speaking of that, where can our listeners find you on social media? Kind of just plug yourself. I am at the Women's Health Company on Instagram. I still haven't gotten really good with TikTok or Facebook. So Instagram is kind of my main day. So are we. We like yeah. throw some videos up every now and then, but for right now, it's just a lot. It is. <laughs> maybe it if is. we ever get bigger one day. Yes. If I had somebody helping me, I would maybe, but yeah. Same. And then my website is thewomenshelpcompany.com. Amazing. Yeah. Like I said, Brooks, this was so wonderful. We learned so much and I can't wait for everyone else to learn about getting up close and personal with their periods. Cause if you think, you know, you probably don't unless you're in the health space. So this will be a great listen for everyone. So again, thank you so much for coming on and we hope to have you on in the future. Well, thank you all so much for having me. It was so great to talk with you. You too. And until next time, see you later, mamas.
Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You can find us on Instagram at fitmomin30. That's F-I-T-M-A-M-A-I-N-3-0. And let us know what you liked about this episode. We love hearing your feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show on our website, www.fitmomain30.com, along with our programs for prenatal, postnatal, and beyond. Until next time, bye mamas. Bye.